I'll have you know that my wife said I look like a nerd today. I think I look fresh. Today is one of my favorite days of the year and times for our community because today is Baptism Sunday. <laughs> Baptism Sunday. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I love Baptism Sunday. We actually have nine people getting, yes, getting um, slam dunked, windmilling today in the pool. Between the legs, it's going to be crazy. I'm excited. Um, and I was informed that the pool water is 88 degrees. In Jesus' name. You ever seen baptisms that happen in like a feeding trough? That water usually is like 45 degrees. I mean, it's freezing, you know? I saw a baptism picture the other day of a pastor in a like waiter suit. Like waiters. I'm like, what is this? You know, this is crazy. But um, hey, look, I forgot a couple weeks ago to do our Golden Pumpkin Award. Um, In case you didn't know, we do this thing in partnership with a couple churches and ministries called the Glenwood Trunk Retreat, and we decided this year we're going to give away an award for the best trunk, and I'm pretty pumped about this, and I meant to do it a couple weeks ago, but forgot to, but it is here today in all its glory, Um, and so I wanted you to know that I did not vote. It was a a other other group of people who voted, not me, Um, so don't get mad at me if you didn't win. I know how some people are, Um, but I wanted to announce our winners. Can I do that? Hopefully, and our winner. Okay. Our winner for the very first, hopefully, annual Golden Pumpkin Award for the best trunk at the Glenwood Trunk Retreat goes to Cody and Angie Thompson. Come on! Cody and Angie Thompson. They literally went out and got a tree and brought a tree with, like, soil. It was incredible. Come on up real quick. Give it up for them. Real quick, real quick. So good. And so what you guys will do now is you will sign your name of glory on this pumpkin, and it will forever be enshrined into the uh, Pumpkin Hall of Fame. So you guys take that. We got to get it back, but you got to sign it for us, okay? Give it up for him. That's awesome. That's awesome. So good. So good. Um, We started a teaching last week um, called Busy. And we felt compelled, really by the Spirit, to dive into this teaching because it seems like such a relevant conversation in our community. Um, This is a conversation that seems to be happening across every sphere of life, young, old, across gender, across socioeconomic status. Uh, It doesn't really matter what phase of life. It seems to be that everyone around us is busy. And we felt compelled over the next couple weeks, especially going into the holiday season, to dive into a teaching specifically on the idea of busyness, and even more specifically on the idea of hurry. And we actually have, as a supplemental reading for you, we have this awesome book called The The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer out front. Uh, I actually read this book in three days fantastic read by John Mark Comer. It just came out a couple of months ago, and I will say they're only $15 with us, but they're $21 on Amazon, so you're saving some money. That's all I'm saying, Um, but we have some of these books out front. Fantastic read. Uh, Again, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, so I'd encourage you to uh, snag one of those to read along um, as we dive into this teaching over the next couple of weeks. Jordan kicked it off last week, did a killer job, 
fantastic job teaching. I was very excited for her. I thought it was awesome. She did a fantastic job. And then today we continue on. So let's go ahead and jump to the scriptures. That clock is staring at me like the enemy. And so we're going to roll through this thing quickly, and then we're going to celebrate in baptism in the pool together. Understand that when we go over there, we all go. We go as the family, as a community. We go and celebrate together. It's going to be awesome. So uh, go ahead and jump into the scriptures, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. This rather famous story last week, and I wanted to go back and sit in it a bit today. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screens. If you'd like a Bible, which I encourage you to get one, and we have a handful of free ones out front for you. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. And it reads this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Martha. Brady Bunch. Anybody? Marsha, Marsha. Okay. I'm an old soul. All right. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus, we thank you for today, your love and your grace and your mercy. May you continue to meet with us in a radical way, God. And I'm so excited and encouraged by our time together in celebration of these nine individuals, these nine souls who are um, stepping into the pool today and making this proclamation of this inward transformation. And I encourage you, Jesus, to just touch other hearts in this space who've never encountered your love before. If they're coming just to support somebody, they would see this idea of newness and being made new and wholeness in life. We thank you, Lord. Continue to meet with us here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just this past week, I went to lunch with a friend of mine. And I went to a restaurant that if you have any sort of ADD whatsoever, you probably should not ever go eat at. And it was Kickback Jack's. You know Kickback Jack? I bet they got 327 TVs in that bad boy. I mean, seriously. I literally told the guy I was meeting with, I said, look, man, I honest, I'm so distracted. I, I can't even pay attention to you. I mean, it's sports everywhere. I'm a sports guy. I love sports. Sports everywhere. Replays of games that happened days ago. Who cares? The game's already been completed. We're putting a replay up anyway. I don't understand. I was distracted. Or sometimes for me, my wife and I will fancy ourselves and go out to a nice dinner, nice meal. Matter of fact, Friday, we went to Southern Lights Bistro. Anyone ever been to Southern Lights Bistro? I'd encourage you. Gentlemen, if you got a girlfriend, date spots, okay? Husband, take your wife out. Southern Lights Bistro is great. And I made the intentional decision to turn my phone off and give it to my wife, and she's put it into her purse, because I am that guy, typically, when we go out to dinner, who spends a majority of our time together just scrolling on my phone. 
Do you ever see those couples in a booth and they're on a date and both couples are just on their phone scrolling the whole time and you're like, do they even have a good like, relationship or marriage, honestly? And it's funny when it's older couples too. They're like in their 50s or 60s and they're scrolling on Facebook. I'm like, well, this is crazy, you know? Um, and, and I come to this realization that being and as a person, I get very distracted. I get very distracted as a human being and as a person. Um, and when we're talking about this idea of busyness, there really are two main definitions when we're talking about busy. There's the busy of just simply we have things to do. We have things to do because we work. Humans were created to work. That's part of our call. Um, so we're busy. We have things to do. That's, that's not a bad thing. But then there's the next level of busyness where um, we have too much to do and not enough time. Too much to do and not enough time. And that's the busyness that we're pressing into, where we create this idolatry of speed and hurry. Ronald Rollheiser calls it pathological busyness. Pathological busyness, where the busyness is driving us. We aren't driving the busyness. It is driving us. But at the core of it, however, I think we are dealing with something much deeper, and that is distraction. That is distraction. Adult human beings in the year 2000 had an average attention span of 12 seconds. We have now gone down to eight seconds in our society. The average human being has an eight-second attention span. And you know this plays out when you are on your MacBook or on your computer, your Microsoft Surface, whatever it is, and it starts to load a web page. And you're like, if it's more than eight seconds, you think the Wi-Fi is out, something's wrong, you might have a virus, you need to call up tech support, you know? Well, I remember dial-up, okay? You know what I'm talking about? It would take minutes for a web page to load, and you thought it was fast, you know? We have a short attention span. It was 12 seconds, now it's eight, but listen to this. Scientists say goldfish have a nine-second attention span. Goldfish are more attentive than human beings. Spirit, as we are distracting ourselves into what he calls spiritual oblivion. Spiritual oblivion, and it is terrorizing our emotional health, our mental health, our social awareness, and relationships. At the core of distraction is restlessness, which, shocker, happens when you rest less. Did you know that? Wild, bow, you know, like crazy. At the core of distraction is restlessness, but at the core of restlessness is anxiety. At the core of anxiety is fear. And at the core of fear is a feeling of empty love. Scripture says that perfect love casts out all fear. And the root of it all for a lot of us is just this empty experience of love. But when we look at the idea of busyness, the etymology of the word, or where the word comes from, it comes from this old English idea of being anxious. Did you know that the word busy comes from the idea of being anxious? That's where we get the word busy. As anxious people, we tend to add things to this crazy to-do list almost as a form of distraction. 
A lot of us in our culture are experiencing high levels of anxiety or restlessness or worry, as Jesus says Mary or Martha is here in the text. Worry. And for a lot of us, the way we cope is we create distractions. We fill our time, we fill our schedule with meaningless things. And even, we'll get to this in a second, sometimes good things, but as a form of distraction for what's truly going down deep in our soul, which might be restlessness, anxiety, fear, or even empty love. 77% of people experience symptoms of stress in our society. More things to do equals more stress. How many of you experienced a little bit of stress this week? At any point, a little bit of stress, a symptom of stress. See, about 75% of you guys experience symptoms of stress. And more stress equals more distractions. We create more distractions and it becomes this vicious cycle. But I love that Matthew doesn't use the word busy to describe Martha. He doesn't use the word busy to describe Martha. It doesn't say, but Martha was busy with all the preparations. It says specifically she was distracted. I think for a lot of us in our society, we are distraction and being distracted. The word distraction is defined as a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. You ever had to try to have a conversation with someone while they're texting? It usually goes something like this. Say what? Like that's our go-to. Say what? What do you say? Like you could be talking for like minutes. And I have a wife who keeps record. Months later, remember when we were talking about such and such? I'm like, no. She's like, well, I was talking right at you. I'm like, well, I didn't hear a thing, you know? Probably because I was distracted. That's the world we live in. We live in this distracted society where we are pulling our attention away from someone to something else or from something to something else. For Martha, this idea of busyness, it it comes from this original word in the Greek, which is uh, perispao, perispao. And that word really means to be drawn away, to be drawn away, or to be too busy, overoccupied, or distracted, as we see here in the NIV translation. This means that she was so busy, it was pulling her away from what she needed to be focused on. She was so busy, it was pulling her away from what she needed to be focused on, and that was the presence of Jesus in her home. The presence of Jesus in her home. Home. Some of us in this space today, some of us are so busy, it is pulling us away from what we should be truly seeking and focused on. Jesus, made, uh, Jesus, Jesus, my wife, Jordan, made a statement last Sunday. <laughs> We're far off from that, okay? Uh, I'm kidding. She's incredible. Some of you guys are like, do you guys have a good marriage? It's incredible, all right? It's amazing. Um, She made a statement last week that said some of us are too busy to follow Jesus. Because reality is it takes time to follow Jesus. Why? Because it's a relationship. I've heard it said before that love is oftentimes spelled T-I-M-E. 
time. It takes time. Mother Teresa was quoted by saying, if you just spend an hour with the Father every day, you'll be all right. And some of you are like, where is the hour coming from? (laughs) And if you look at the statistics in a second, you'll probably see quickly where it comes from. And if you get offended, we can talk about it later. That's okay. (laughs) As we have mentioned before, the home is almost a metaphor for a person's life. A home is this metaphor for a person's dwelling, a person's life, your soul, your inner dwelling. And when we surrender to Christ Jesus, Christ makes his home in our hearts. Ephesians 3.17, Paul says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts through faith. Becomes this dwelling place. Martha, look, at this is crazy. Martha has opened up her physical home to let Jesus come in, and she's prepared Like, what Martha is doing is amazing. I mean, she's serving. She's actually, in the original language, it's the same word. Invited Jesus into her home, and yet she is missing out on the presence. She's missing out on his presence in her home. So Jesus, listen, friends, Jesus can be present in your heart and in your life, but you're missing out on the presence of Jesus in your heart. And in your soul, because you're distracted by many things. He might be there and present, but you are missing out on the presence. And many of us, we aren't busy with bad things. When you look at the text here, we don't see that Martha is doing anything bad or wrong. At this point, it's not a matter of right or wrong or good or bad. It really is more about the better thing, the better thing. She is missing out on his presence in her home. Most of us in this space today are distracted with good things, but we are distracted from the better thing. Look what Jesus says in verse 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Notice the word needed. Few things are wanted, no, needed. In other words, he's saying, my presence is something that you actually need. It's something I want. It's something you need. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. You see that? Not right. Not good even, but better. And notice it says Mary has chosen. Listen, friends, family. We almost act like in our society that hurry and busyness is something that is something that society has like pressed upon us. Here's the reality. You have the final say. You are in control. You choose. You choose where your time goes, your schedule. You choose all these things. I've heard it said it's the idea of looking at a suitcase when you go on vacation. A lot of us have put in all these meaningless things into the suitcase, and we forgot some of the most important things. And now we're like, okay, where is it going to go? Where is it going to go? We choose. Mary has chosen what is better. She wasn't forced. She chose it. Because love is freely given, and it's freely received or chosen. 
and it will not be taken away from her. We have become busy and distracted with potentially good things, but haven't created margin for what is better. We haven't created margin for what is better. I saw this study yesterday. I thought it was fascinating. That in a study amongst Christians, most Christians chose Martha as the biblical character they most identified with. 43% in a study. Most identified with Martha. Three times more than her sister Mary. Three times more. They identify with Martha. I love this quote from Thomas Merton. It says this. Buckle your seatbelt because it's a long one. Why y'all laughing? You can read. It's okay. (laughs) There is a pervasive form of contemporary violence to which the idealist most easily succumbs. Activism and overwork. The rush and pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form, of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone and everything is to to succumb to violence. The frenzy of our activism neutralizes our work for peace. Isn't that wild? We work for peace and in doing so have violence done on our soul. It destroys our own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness of our own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. Busyness and hurry are unleashing violence on the soul. Busyness forces you and I to not be present. Why? Because busyness tends to be driven by it for yesterday or things you got to do tomorrow. It forces us to not be present. However, there is only one time space that we can encounter the presence of the Spirit, and that is in the present. Rebecca Lyons Uh, who just wrote a book called Rhythms of Renewal. Um, Great read. She says, God never guides us at some time in the future, but always here and now. Always here and now. And busyness keeps us in the past or in the future, but it never allows for the present. And you know, distraction is the antithesis of presence, the antonym. The antonym of distraction is presence. Presence means the fact of being present. It connects us to what it means to be a human being. I feel as though we live in a society in the West, we should change the language of human being and just be human doing. Human beings. When Jesus says, come to me in Matthew 11, which we read last week, he is calling us to presence. He's calling us to his presence. He's calling us to the only place where weariness turns into relief. Burden turns into release. There are many of you in this space, if I sat down over a cup of coffee with you or tea or something or a meal and asked you, are you weary? Are you tired? 
And maybe for you, it's not even work-driven. It's your soul. Like, your soul is just, you're just tired. Relationships, addiction, mental capacity, pressure. You're just tired. For some of us, it may be physical sleep. Average human now sleeps about seven hours a night. Did you know before the light bulb was invented, the average human slept 11 hours a night? Get more talk back with that than anything else. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I slept 12 last night. <laughs> Did you know the word boredom wasn't even common until the mid-19th century, right in the middle of the Industrial Revolution? Wild. Did you also know that you and I, when we work, our productivity begins to decline at 50 hours a week. Psychologically, there's studies, psychological studies across the board, secular studies. After 50 hours, productivity begins to decline. What's fascinating is if you divide that by eight-hour days, you get about six days. Last I checked, the scriptures command us to work for six and rest for one. Our bodies tell us we must rest. You must stop. The word Sabbath means stop. For a lot of us, this hurry and busy life is inflicting violence on our souls. We must examine the items that take up our time and orient them in a way that rules out or at least minimizes distraction and creates space for presence. Create space for presence. Because it takes time to follow Jesus. It does. Because love requires time. You ever notice when you're like the most irritable, like when you're the most unloving, it's usually when you're rushed or hurried or you got deadlines or things to do. And it's usually you, 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 take, you take it out on the people you love the most because you don't have enough time and now you're rushed and hurried and busy and crazy and now you don't love well. Love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. Where your time goes shows what is most important. And who is most important? If you're spending 70 hours in the office, your work's most important. If you're spending countless amounts of time playing video games, and you're 35 years old, video games are more important. And to be honest with you, if you spend countless hours with friends doing meaningless things, that's most important. If you always with your boo thing, always, your boo thing's most important. Even in marriage, unfortunately, reality is, at times, my wife is more important than Jesus. But last I checked, my wife didn't go to a cross for me, nor did I go to a cross for my wife. Dallas Willard says that hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life. Hurry and busyness is your greatest enemy. I don't know that it's addiction. I don't, know it's po- I don't think it's post-Christianity. It's not secularism. It's not this like, ethereal idea that has been forced upon us. It is our own hurry. It is the greatest enemy of our spiritual life. It has created this 
idea of having too much to do and not enough time. You know, what if busyness, hurry, and distraction are actually the greatest threat to our humanity right now? What if it's the greatest threat to our humanity right now? We have everything at our fingertips in America. We're the most well-off nation in the world on a global scale. More t- crazy. We are the most progressive culture in the world technologically, and yet we are not even close to the top 10 of the most happiest nations in the world. More stuff, more things, more things to do is not solving the problem. We must stop. John Mark Comer in his book says, in the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. What are you giving your attention to? You know, this past week I started using screen time on my phone. It's a wonderful tool. Matter of fact, pull out your phone right now. Those of you who use screen time, pull it out. We're only at 11.05. Just look at screen time and let it tell you where your time is most valued. If you haven't used screen time, I highly encourage you to use that on your phone. What if, friends and family, what if our phone usage was just cut in half? What if our phone usage was cut just in half? Did you know, listen, this is crazy. Some of you are like down into your phones, see? Um, I, I love that. It's great. Use it. Screen time. It's incredible. The average human being spends three hours and 16 minutes a day on their phone, which over the course of a week is 23 hours, a.k.a. one day. We spend a day a week on our phone on average, which equals out to about 52 days a year. Ends up being we spend a couple of months a year on our phone. The average human being spends two hours and 22 minutes a day on social media. Ninety-three percent of married couples sleep with their phone within arm's reach. One of the most liberating things I've done in my life is I go to bed and I leave my phone in the living room. Matter of fact, creating a rule of life in our, in our household of it'd be great to just never bring the phone to the bedroom ever. For you, that'd be a great starting place. Sleep with your phone in the living room. 95% of people look at their phone before they go to bed. And most are looking at it as the first thing when they wake up. Can you believe the first thing that you see when you wake up is, is just what's the hottest news in the political scene in our culture? Whoa, man, talk about you're just so cynical of humanity. Like you're bitter, angry, frustrated. Why? That's the first thing you see. Let alone Instagram, some, some girl who's just like, all, like just look, you're like, man, she's way more beautiful than I am. Or some guy's like, wow, like, this dude is jacked. Like, man, like, you know, that's, this is what's like, shaping our minds. What we see in the beginning of the morning and the end of the evening is what shapes us the most. It's crazy. 50% of people check their phone if they wake up in the middle of the night. Why? That's wild. So here's a strategy. After all the bad news, a couple things as we wrap up. There's a strategy that I've recently heard of that is fantastic, and we're going to dive deeper into some strategy next week, um, or some, some solutions of sort. But it's the one 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 strategy. Here's the one 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 strategy. I love this. If you hold it long enough a day, turn your phone off 
Matter of fact, did you know there's a button on the side of your phone that if you hold it long enough, it brings up this little swipe at the top. If you swipe across, it actually goes to black. Wild, okay? One hour a day, turn your phone off. Engage in real conversation. Sit in silence. Don't shift to some other technology to get more distracted. Just, just be. Take one day a week and turn your phone off. One day a week, turn it all the way off. Guess what? You're not God. Everybody will be okay. It's liberating to know you're not God. I'll be honest. And then for one week a year, one week out of the year, turn your phone off. One day a week, one hour a day, one week a year. That's a strategy for you to cut it off, power it down. Jesus says, Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. Choose to fill your time with what is better. When you do, you will experience the fullness of human flourishing. Some of us don't think that Jesus has the plan for the good life. He does. Jesus has the plan for the fullness of life. It's hard, but you experience the fullness of life. When you do, you experience True human flourishing. Final quote from Rebecca Lyons. She says, it's never too late to reestablish what you want your life to be about. You can shift and turn and repent and change now. You talk to some people and they're in cycles. Not seasons, cycles. (laughs) You've been in the same season for three years, bro. That's a cycle, not a season, okay? You can shift perspective now because the fullness of life is waiting for us. But we've become addicted to hurry and speed. But the Lord says, come to me, sit at my feet and listen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you.